0: Is the mic on? Good. Thank you. Uh, before we begin our study and renew it today, I would like to ask: Is there anyone here this morning who is at Berean Baptist Church for the very first time? Anybody here, a brand new attender? I don't see any hands up. Okay. The next question. Now, even though I'm carrying a basket, don't confuse me with Little Red Riding Hood. I'm not. I'm not her. Uh, Is there anyone who forgot to bring their bridge track? Anybody here and say, "Whoops, I didn't bring it. You all have it. Wow! Oh, there's back there. We're gonna. There's a couple. We'll, we're gonna head back your way. Okay. He does. All right. Anyone do the other one? for this? All right. Now let me quickly take a gaze at you again. Anybody? Would say, "Oh, I thought I had it in my pocket, or the per- and I, I don't have it." Anybody going, going? okay, there you go. There you go. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. Now the sheets of paper. We uh, went back to get some for those folks, and uh, they were all gone. So I had Drew quickly make up another one. So is there anyone, the other one had the lines in it and everything, but didn't get the chance. Anybody here say, "Eh, I need one of those sheets you're talking about? Okay. You know, I'm just going to hand these to you if you want to do that. Raise your hand, please, for brother as he will go out there. We'll get momentarily. What I would like to do today is uh, do a review. We learn by repeating. We learn by review. And what I want to do today is I'm just going to go, normally I, you know, ask if anybody have a question or a point to make. I will do that towards the end of the class. But I want to establish going through this and working through it so it gets like a sense of a flow progression. Am I doing that just by doing it? I don't know. My personality is electric. (sighs) All right. So with that in mind, just if you got a question, you have a point, just hold it. And then when we get to that portion, I'll say, now's your time. So for those of you, I think most of you have been here for this, but you see on your sheet there, it's number one, God's purpose. But even though this is not in the bridge, I want you to say, I think there's a point that precedes number one. And would you turn with me once again to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And you said, well, we've done that already. Yes? Anybody ever read the book of Genesis more than once? Well, yeah. Well, why? You read it once. Okay. This is at the very end of Genesis chapter 1. Now we have, as you know, I've been saying a series of words that begin with the letter E. So even before we get to number one, at the end of the creation week, beginning in verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Before we get to the idea of the sin and the rebellion, everything at this point was perfect. So there's your P word. Genesis 1, those were, everything was in
1: perfection. Everything... God, I would say this. I don't think God could say that every, is very good. Am I doing something, Drew, or is that just?
0: Okay. All right. I just don't want to be. Thank you. So it was perfect. But with that in mind, let's go then. I'd like to go with the flow here. So since everything was perfect, let's go and look at number one once again. On his creation, he had a purpose and a plan for creating. And it's to honor and serve him. Now let's quickly say, I, I, again, like I said before, I hope I'm talking to the choir here. If I always wanted everything said about me to have the purpose of giving me glory I would be conceited and egotist. You're bragging on yourself, and there's people like that. And for any human, being brag on themselves. Because if you're an unbeliever, you've rejected God, and there's nothing to brag on them. If you are a believer and you're bragging on yourself, you're bragging on the wrong person. So God's purpose, honor and serve him. We We said from some of the catechisms and some of the creeds from the history of Christianity can anybody say what is the first purpose of man just in a statement it is what give glory to god thank you very much that's that's our purpose and you can you can think about any aspect of life anything going on the earth the creation was made for the ultimate and true purpose to give glory to god you see right now I'm going to read through these. Okay. God created man to honor, serve, and fellowship with him. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 4 and 11. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence as fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. So there's the idea, also the idea, that God wants us to enjoy him, to love him and be with him forever so we can give him glory forever, Psalm 16 and 11. So there is the purpose. So we've got perfection, now we go to purpose. And the reason why we're repeating this is that my hope, my prayer, I'm sure this will be pastors, and everybody in this church, that you and I would seek opportunities to share the bridge, to share the gospel with people. JW has come to your door. The Mormons got thousands of missionaries go all around the world. They're very zealous in spreading their lies. Could we not be zealous in spreading the truth? So I'll leave that at your door. I'm not your judge. I'm just saying, God said go. So that's God's purpose. Now, here's the question. In each one of these points, we have a transition. Question. Well, if God's purpose is for mankind to honor, serve, and fellowship with him, then what happened that destroyed this perfect relationship? And then we come to the second point. Here's your P word. Mankind has a problem, and the problem is sin. Man chose to sin against God rather than serve him— the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I spent last week talking about a lady by the name of Helen. who When I told her she was a sinner based on the authority of the word of God, she got a little irked because she was a good lady, went to mass every morning and prayed the rosary. So I'm just saying here, this is, for all have sinned. That's not me judging you or you judging someone else. This is what God has said to all of us. Okay? Romans 3 and 23. What does it mean to sin against God? Well, sin is breaking God's law. Anything that's out of the will of God is a sin. All right? That's just the reality of the matter. That's not being narrow-minded. That's being scripturally minded. 1 John 3 and 4. We sin by doing what God has commanded us not to do. That's the sin of mission or covert. But by not doing what God has told us to do. There's a sin of omission, all right? So, again, we have to, you know, not get too proud of it, because every day, remember what the Lord Jesus said. He said, on your very best day. What kind of servants are we, says the Scripture? Yeah, wicked, lazy, unprofitable. That's on my best day. And can I be honest with you folks in here? I'm born again of the crucified one, but every day is not my best day when it comes to obedience. I can still choose to sin, and I have chosen to sin, even as a believer. So when Jesus says to me, Earl Burcott, on a day when it's your very, very best day, and you're thinking, wow, this has been a great day. I served the Lord. What do you think about that? You're still unprofitable, Earl. Okay. So we got here, you see the picture at the bottom? This is another easy thing, because you got pictures, okay? Just don't color outside the lines. Man's problem is sin. Now there is, you see, there's that chasm, that, that canyon, that separation, and God's purpose is on the other side where God is. So there's that. What separates us? What's that chasm? It's that wall of sin. And you know, I'm not going to go into this, but you know this, on the day that Christ died, what happened at the temple the moment he died? Something happened. Rent. And from top to bottom, to let everybody know, it wasn't the priest ripping it from the bottom up. It was from the top bottom. And that was God saying by renting that, that now, based on the victory of my son, and it's going to be punctuated on Sunday morning when he comes out of the grave in resurrection victory, that now, through Jesus Christ, the separation of sin can be overcome through the blood of the Lamb. Question This isn't on the bottom. It's just a question. Maybe you'd want to jot down there on your question at the end of point two. So what is the consequence? Is there a consequence? Is there a consequence to sin? Does the world recognize sin? No. The world, a lot of times right now, it's celebrating sin. It's affirming sin. It's telling you that there's something wrong with you if you don't promote this sin. It's almost as if they've got it upside down and inside out. Isn't there something in scripture about woe unto those who I think there is. Yeah. We tend to we God goes one when we go the other. Now, oh, there is a consequence, not a big deal. Number three, sin's penalty is death. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's not a comparison, folks. That's a contrast. Romans 6 23. When man chose to disobey God, the result was death. The basic meaning of death is separation. The Bible teaches that there are three types of death or separation that result from sin. Now remember, what you can be doing is, you see what? I'm just going with the flow, sitting down and sharing this with you. You know what? If I can do it, you can do it. You can sit down with that someone that you love and pray for and if there's an open door provided, you can hand them their copy of the bridge, you've got your copy of the bridge, and you've got the point, you have the verses, you, have write, you even got pictures, and you can walk through and what you're doing, think about it, is you're sharing the gospel with a person that if they die in their sin, will be separated from God forever. There's been some times in my life where I've shared the gospel with someone at the end of it, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. But there have been times... Only by the mercy and grace of God, that God used me to be the instrument that someone came to Jesus Christ. Folks, if you've done that, there is no greater joy as a Christian. That God would use us as his instrument to tell somebody else how to become saved? That doesn't get any better than that. Spiritual death separates a person from the life of God, Ephesians 2 and 1. If you read Ephesians 2 and 1, we're spiritually dead. And the only way that that gets turned around is it says the Holy Spirit quickeneth. That's the old English, quickeneth. What well, Give me that in more contemporary. To what? To quicken someone is to what? Make them alive. They're dead, and God through the Holy Spirit, and you can be that instrument and let him have that information, he's going to take that which is dead and make them spiritually alive. People say, oh, Christianity is so boring. You don't know what Christianity is. It's the most exciting thing. All. It can't get any more exciting than biblical Christianity. Physical death separates a person's soul from his or her body. That's going to happen to each and every one of us. there'll only be one class of people that that doesn't happen to. that If uh, they're raptured, then you don't have to spiritually or, or physically die. Eternal death, and that's the worst kind. I'll do it the way the English teacher says it. The most worstest kind, right, okay? Separates the person, both soul and body from hell, forever in hell, Revelation 20 and 15. don't want to stay there too long, but you've read, that's the great white throne judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the very last place you ever want to be. If you show up at the great white throne judgment, you are doomed and you are damned due to your own rebellion against the God who wanted to save you. There you got. There's your picture. Man's looking down. He's got a problem. He's a sinner. He's looking down at eternal death. He realizes sin's penalty is death. And there is that chasm. There is that canyon there. God and God's purpose for that man has been stopped. It's been interrupted. Eternal life is on the other side. The question is, how do I receive this thing called eternal life? Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected 2,000 years ago. How does somebody in the year 2022 appropriate that for themselves? In this time, we weren't around in 30 or 33 AD. We didn't appropriate it back then, but we do it now. Question. Can anything be done to change this? I've heard what you've told me so far, says your friend, and you've showed me in the Bible. And you've not said anything that sounds illogical. No, I, I I agree with you. I think that what you're saying is true. What am I supposed to do? Is there, is there anything I can do? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to this lake of fire. Ah, there is some things you can do. And if you'd like to know, all you need to do is you'll see some men stop at your home someday. They're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They'll tell you. No. Look at number four. Let's flip the sheet here. Yes, there are various, matter of fact, there's multitudes of ideas. But only one is true, and that's the one provided by God. He says, it seems a little simplistic, say some people, and say, you know what? God has made it simple. And even when he's made it simple, we in all our intellectual prowess can't figure it out. Unless God opens our eyes. Unless God opens your mind, opens your heart like he did for Lydia... We can bumble around trying to figure this out all, and we'll never get to the truth. It's God's revelation. It's not that we reasoned and figured it out upwards, it's that he had to come down and give it to us by his revelation. How then can we ever have eternal life? This is the one that did not have a K-word, which I'm going to call these people at Detroit and say, what is wrong with you? Okay, because human pride, pride's the problem. Anybody, and I don't care whether it's Protestantism, Roman Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, any, any religion you want to go to around the world. You know what the fatal flaw is? The fatal flaw is people sincerely believe because they're sincerely taught that something as important as salvation and going to heaven to be with God. I have to do my part. God's watching me to see what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to stand. So I know God's done everything he can do, but I have to play a role in my own salvation. I mean, that's It'd be illogical or or unreasonable to think anything else. Well, actually, it may be, but it's not revelational to think that you play a part in your own salvation. can't, because you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. Look at it. Throughout history, individuals have tried many ways to gain or earn eternal life, but every attempt has been unsuccessful. The Bible says... There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14 and 12. Now, there's another, we're not going to turn to it here, but I jotted down another passage that's not in the bridge, but I think it's excellent. It's Isaiah 64, 6. Somebody quick turn to that. Does somebody know it? Isaiah 64, 6? We're going to do the Bible again. Okay, first one to raise their hand can read it or something like that. Isaiah 64, 6. Read this with understanding and tell us that you're going to play a role in your own salvation. Anybody got it? If you got it and you're willing to read it, okay, Joe over here. There you go. All our iniquities. Taking us away. All our righteous deeds are as what? Filthy, filthy garments, filthy rags. Now, I was, till I was 22 and I was saved, I was part of a major denomination worldwide. I won't mention which one it is, but they're very big and around Rome, Italy, okay? Uh, and I've read in their books and their publications and their catechisms, they walk through and give you all kind of reasons why human merit, human works of necessity must play a part in your salvation. I'm telling you, it is, it is stimulating. It's also right out of the pit of hell, but they don't admit that, okay? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, they always go to that tricky verse in James. talks about, well, you know, Abraham wasn't justified just by his faith. He was also justified by his works. He said, how are you doing? Well, what they don't understand is they're saying he was justified before people by his works, right? He wasn't justified before God. His faith is what justified him. Remember when Abraham was told to go out there and he said, Abraham, listen, you and Sarah have not had a baby yet, but he says, I'm going to give you one, a biological baby, He stood outside, he looked at the stars, and he said, I want to tell you what. He said, descendants are going to be more like the stars. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you one. Do you believe that? And he said, I believe. And on the basis of that act of faith in Genesis, God accounted it to him as righteousness. The thief on the cross, Lord, Lord, remember me. He says, I say unto you that today you shall be with me in paradise. And the guy said, but I haven't been baptized yet. I haven't gone to church yet. What good works have I done? He said, "Don't worry about your good works." John chapter six. Remember the crowd. What works can we do that we might be accepted? You know, to to God. What can we do to impress God? And Jesus said, "Listen carefully. You've asked a specific question. I'll give you a specific answer. This is the work of God to believe on Him whom He has sent. That's your good work. Just trust in. It's in there. These people are deceived. They're blinded. They're taught a lie." Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could be the instrument that God would use by his Holy Spirit to bring them to the simplicity of the truth? I'll tell you one more thing. I get always emotional. My Aunt Dieta was 77 years old. She was raised in the Church of Rome. I shared the gospel with her many, 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 many times. She's always listening to everything. One morning on April the 1st, 2005, I went to her apartment. wasn't even going to share the gospel with her again, but I did that morning. All of a sudden, I, some of you have heard this. Her eyes got real big. I said, you I thought she was having a heart attack. Deanna said, she called me Erd. She says, Erd, Erd. I said, yeah, yeah. He says, I see it. I see it. I said, what is it you see, Deanna? He says, I see that he saves me by trusting in him, not what I've done. Because she was tortured. Because my Aunt Deanna always knew that she was going to die, and she would not be good enough for God. She didn't do enough for God, and she'd go to, her hopeless purgatory. instrument. Talk to someone that God would use. God would do all the work. He'd open their eyes. He'd regenerate their spirit. But but you'd be the human instrument by which they said, and they hug you, and they say, thank you. Thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Never heard it before. No one ever tried, but you took the time to share with me the gospel, and because of what you were willing to do, now, you'll never be paid a finer compliment than that. Never well, let's move on. God's purpose. God's problem is sin. Sin's penalty is death. God's purpose is eternal life. That's what he wants for us. That whole thing in the garden, the intended purpose was to, you know, to glorify him, to honor him, to be involved with you know, the works in the garden and everything. Everything was to be done in sinless perfection, well-pleasing. That when God said, it is very good, that Adam and Eve would have lived a very good holy life dedicated to the Lord. You notice there on your picture there at the bottom, good works? Eh, some people want to walk that way, but it never makes it over the bridge. Never, it never gets over there. Religion? No. Nope. Money? No. Morality? No. Can't buy your way? <sighs> Morality. Remember the guy that came up to Jesus one day? He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? First things out of Jesus, and I'm glad you asked, I have a list right here. Oh, the very first thing. What was the very first thing that he said to him? Remember what he said? Why? Why do you call me good? For there is none that is good, only God. That was what he said. I was a little play on words there, because who was he speaking to? He was speaking to God. (laughs) But he didn't realize that. He said, well, you know what the law says, you got to do this and do that. Of course, the guy was humbled by saying, oh, that's not hard. I've, I've kept those laws since my youth. What a humble soul he must have. been. And Jesus put the pin in the bubble, of the balloon, and he said, well, let's just see. One more thing, maybe. You know, here'd be something that God would be very, very impressed by. Look by your apparel, and I've seen your house up there, gleaming on the hillside. Uh, take all your money, take all your wealth, and 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 sell it and then all that money distributed to the poor, then you'll be perfect in God's eyes. I don't think so. No, he said he he left and he walked away from the Savior because that was something. There's a little bit of a story there that no matter what person tries to come to God with the idea that I can do my bit in order to help get me to heaven, God says, I'm telling you, whether it's Earl or anybody else you're barking up the wrong tree. If you're going to get to heaven by your good works, James wrote, you have to be perfect. You can't break one law, not even once. If you break one law, you're you're headed to hell because what I demand is perfection. The other way we can achieve that perfection is later on in this little book. Okay, so then if there are a lot of wrong ways that lead from spiritual uh, to spiritual death, what is that one course you're talking about that'll lead to spiritual life? And this is where we come to the new one today. This brings us up to date there. Number five. Here's your P word. Price payment. Price payment. doesn't say our payment. This is not a 99.9% Christ and 1% Earl Burkha or one-tenth of 1% No, this is, it's either he does the work or he doesn't do the work. Either with me or against me. Partial truth is no truth. Paul had to learn that. Partial obedience is disobedience. Jesus Christ, God's sinless Son, was sent by the Father to pay the penalty—not partially, not most—but to 100 percent to pay the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross in our place. You think about that. What do we call this? We call this the substitutionary atonement. All right. Some of you in here like baseball, America's most boring sport. Sorry, Pastor. (laughs) I'm in trouble now. Okay? Well, the leadoff pitcher there is having a little bit of a problem, so we're going to be calling in the substitute. Uh, uh, Pitcher. He's going to come to the mound now, and now both of these men are going to be pitching. When the substitute comes on the mound, what happens to the leadoff, the opening pitcher? What happens to him? He's done. He didn't get the job done, did he? As long as Earl Burkhat's on the mound, pitching his own life for heaven, you know what? Every time I throw the ball, it's gonna be like, what's well, another home run by the devil? Boy, that devil guy, he's just hitting those balls out of the park. Earl, you're having a problem there. God says, as the owner of everything, Earl, I want you to be able to be with me one day. So you're coming off the mound. You got to get out of the way. You got to put your faith in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to be your substitute. He's going to be your replacement. And where he, where you failed miserably to please me, he will be, this is my well-beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When you put your faith in him, When you repent of your sin and put your trust in him, then you are in Christ, and Christ is in you. And when you die and you stand before me, Earl, I won't see you by yourself. If I see you just by yourself, you're done. But if I see you in my son, you're delivered. Welcome home. So that's what it says, For Christ hath also uh, once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Above there, but God commended their manifest or show his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in our place, the substitutionary atonement. It's when you look at it that way, you say, wow, that's not all that complicated, but unless a person repents of their sin and trusts in Jesus Christ, they will remain, as Paul said in Ephesians 2. They're spiritually dead. All spiritual things Paul wrote to the Corinthians are foolishness unto the world. All
1: right. And that brings us up to
0: this one today. So what we said started out with perfection. God has a purpose. There came a problem. From the problem came a penalty. How are you going to solve the penalty? Most people are told in human pride they go the wrong way. They still end up at the lake of fire because they think they have to do something to earn God's forgiveness. And then finally, a payment was come. Christ payment, our sinless substitute. With that in mind, the floor is open. Anybody got a question or a comment they'd like to make about this thing so far? Yes, sir. Now, there is one of the things that you. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Is that, yes, we can do in the world of religion, even as believers, we can do things with an improper motive. We can we can do things, but deep down in our little, which we don't say to anybody, is like, do what I did, you know. I didn't want to. Do this. He's over there carrying tables out one day because I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm walking around in there, and I'm carrying the table out with some of the other guys, and I said, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm a servant here. Making a joke out of it. But for a lot of us, it's not funny. Because if we were honest, there are last times, and if God would put his finger on us, he'd say, Earl, I see what you're doing. Now tell me what your motive is.
1: Forgive me, I commit sin.
0: What am I doing here this morning right now, doing this? Because I want everybody to... Oh, I'm smart. I'm sharing all this stuff. Ain't I somebody? You know what? If it wasn't for Jesus Christ and being saved, do you think I'd be up here? Who knows where I would be? I might be dead. The fact that I'm up here saying what I'm saying is only can only be for one purpose. Give glory to God in every aspect. Because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't even be here. And neither would you. Yeah, there might be an unbeliever in here because of what he's saying. You might be in here this morning because. Everybody look at me. I'm in church. I'm in one of those Bible-believing churches. Yeah. And you might be in the building, but if you're not in Christ, it doesn't help to be in the building. Anybody else? Thank you for that. I'll add one other thing on that, too, with the idea. In my former religion, yeah, the Bible is full of good works. But what these folks don't understand in their blindness is that good works are presented in two different venues. Good works in the Bible are never in the Bible as a means to salvation. Never. Good works are in the Bible only as a manifestation of our salvation. Our good works are to God's glory as a way of saying... I'm doing this in appreciation and in servanthood because of everything that God has done for me. I And I'm not paying him back. It's impossible to pay him back. But I want to do the things that gives him glory. I want to be like, let's use this example, like a city on a hillside. There's a thought for you. You never heard of that one before, did you? Let your light so shine? But there's a lot of people who their idea of letting their light so shine with the attitude of like, well, I'll do it, but what's in it for me? Two different things. Never, never as a means to salvation. Good works never as a means to heaven, but the manifestation that you're already. Anybody else want to share about what we've talked about so far? Anybody? Yes, sir. The P word. Okay. Christ's payment or? Oh, propitiation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is your name Hank? Thank you, Hank. That's right. So tell me a little bit more about it. Propitiation. Talk about it. Yes. I didn't want to interrupt you. Okay. All right. He's right. I preached something a little while. I'm not going to go into it. But in other words, all sin has offended God. Every single sin. It doesn't matter whether you end up being an unbeliever or a believer. Sin offends God. He's a holy God. And when you break the law, what has to happen? It has to be paid for. There has has to be Be dealt with. God cannot take sin and sweep it under the rug or act like it didn't happen. If he does that, he's no longer God because he's, he's not holy. So God had to be appeased, he had to be propitiated, he had to have his holiness satisfied. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was looking two ways. You don't see that in the reading, but he was looking to the Father, saying, Father, I'm on this cross to vindicate your holiness by being a sinless sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin. So God's holiness can be vindicated and then towards sinful mankind, so men and women, boys and girls, as we look at that, that through his holiness and his never sinning not once when we repent of our sin and place our faith in him, God's holiness is not only vindicated between God, between God and the Son, but between us through the Son to the Father, not only their vindication, but we have victory in Christ. That is so right. Propitiation. Thank you, brother.
1: Anybody? About this. Yes, sir. Right. That was the key. Thank you for that.
0: Yes, it's, uh, he wants our heart. You know, we talked about the religious leaders, the Pharisees. I said that, he said, you know what? Hey, you know, when it comes to the law and the rituals and all this stuff, he said, "They're, they're doing their best to cross the T's and dot the I's. He says, only one little problem. Their heart is far from me. Didn't have their heart. One other thing I want to share about this, because as I said last week, if God gives you the opportunity and you take it, when you get to this idea of it can't be of works, it's all of Christ's payment. It's not of what we are doing for him. It's what he's done for us. What were his last words on the cross? Yeah, he said, I can't, but he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is finished. That was not that was his second to the last, but it is finished. What is that about? It, he's saying, I've done all the work. Put your faith and trust in me. Now, one of the... And I saw this in you know, the way I was raised, and hopefully in reading it, It's in the book of Galatians. I'm not going to quote it in the King James. I'm just going to put it in the you know, street talk. Paul is saying, he says, you know, you know, think about this for a minute. He says, if justification with a holy God could have come through the law, did Moses come down from Mount Sinai with the tablets in his hand? and say, hey, everybody, gather around. I want to tell you something. We've been talking a lot about how to get to heaven. Well, today, finally, God told me. He's given me this thing called the Ten Commandments, and he wants me to tell you, and here it is. Here's the commandments. You can read them. There's the do's and the don'ts on here. Just do the very... Now, he knows you're sinners. He understands that. But remember, he's loving and merciful and holy. Therefore, just do your best. Be sincere. Try your best. And God's going to be keeping a record. And when you die... He's going to look at you and say, Wow, you were a sinner, but I could tell that you really tried to do your best. Welcome home. Does it say that anywhere in Scripture? Oh, but that's, I'll tell you right now, most of the people in this area, wherever you're from, that's what they believe and that's what they're taught. They're thinking that God's going to accept them because they gave their sincere best effort. But Paul says, and Think about it. I was talking to a Catholic friend of mine one time, and I could tell he'd not thought that. I said, you know, Carly, if the law is the instrument that God uses with the human race to be saved, and you know, this Jesus Christ guy, he was an idiot. He come and suffered and bled and died for nothing. What a moron. Didn't he understand that people could be saved by the keeping of the Ten Commandments? No, the coming of Jesus Christ shouts out. Don't you understand? No one can be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. Oh, you could. The problem's not the law. The law is perfect. The problem is you. You can't, and you won't keep them. Therefore, there has to be someone who's going to come and die for you, and he's going to take your place. So when you put your faith and trust, he will, what's that word? Save you. Listen, I want to tell you something. If Earl Burcock can save himself by being a good little boy, I don't need a Savior. Who needs Jesus? You're out there in the water, you know, and there's a lifeguard up there, you know, Biff, all suntanned and, you know, just looks a lot like me. Anyway, so, I'll uh, oh, help, help, oh, help, help. I'm drowning. Please come out here right now and explain to me how to do the dog paddle. No, you know what they do? They say, come out and what? Save me.
1: If you say out, save me,
0: what you're telling somebody is, I can't do this by myself. Now, lastly today, I want to close with this. I need some volunteer who will read a little bit of an extended portion of Scripture. Is there anybody that says, yeah, I'll do that. I want to close today. Anybody? Right over here, Brother Nat. Okay. You know, we are going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Because... I like the idea that we talked about payment today because you know what? This is the Sunday. What is the day on Thursday? What do we call that on Thursday? Thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians, if you want to follow along silently as Brother Nat reads here in chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, and verse 15 says it all. Brother, whenever you want to do that for us.
1: Thanks be unto God for his
0: unspeakable. I close with these thoughts and thank you for today. This is, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to share what we shared today. to be the instruments by telling someone the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. My brothers, my sisters, I think for you and I, this Thursday is not going to be so much about a plump turkey, but more about a sacrifice lamb. That's what it's all about. Would anyone like to close in prayer for us today? Anyone be willing to do that? Close in prayer. Brother David, would you close for us in prayer today? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. We are dismissed. Our morning service will begin in about 20 minutes. God
1: bless.